What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Jeffrey Durkin and returning guest, Mr. Mike Giant. Uh, Jeff is the director of the upcoming documentary, Working Class, that uh, Mike Giant and I have been working on for the past two and a half years or so. Mike joined us via Skype. Jeff came up to the studio. He's local here in San Diego. Uh, We talk working class, filmmaking, interview, self-censorship, Vegas, Rebel 8, Tale of Two Cities, Counterbalance, The Premiere, Ben Grillo, Tools of the Trade, Tattooing, La Cresta, The Folks, Less Keys, The Wanting Mind, and Icing on the Cake. Um, This will will be uh, on air, I guess, the day before the premiere, so if you're hearing this the day it comes out... uh, September 8th at the Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park. We're premiering the film for the first time. Um, You can get your tickets if you go to breadtruckfilms.com and follow the links. You can find all the information about where to get tickets. You can get the tickets through the MOPA website, but it's one of those long like mopa.yahoo.store type of addresses. So I'll link that up on the blog. but go over to Bread Truck Films as well, and uh, you can you can get the links through there. The Silent Comedy are gonna do an opening set before the premiere, which is super rad. I think they're gonna do some sort of acoustic set. I've actually been in this theater before. I married artist Scott Saw and his wife Erica in the place, so I've been um, at center stage before. So that's kind of fun. Uh, what else do I need to talk about? Um, the show is sponsored by Individual Clothing. Make sure you go check them out, indvsl.com. If you donate $10 or more to the podcast, you get an individual shirt from myself. Um, I'll ship it to you, as well as throw in a zine or something. Uh, I have Live Free shirts available as well. If you donate $20 to the podcast, you can get yourself a Live Free shirt. All those links are on the blog. Of course, go to MikeMaxwellArt.com. Find all the links for all that shit over there. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow it on Twitter at LiveFreePodcast, or you can follow me at MikeMaxwellArt. So, with all that said, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeffrey Durkin and Mr. Mike Giant. What's up, brother? Happy birthday. Feels good. Feels good. So um, I'm I'm here with uh, with Jeff Durkin, the director of the uh, working class film, and Mr. Mike Giant. I guess Mike, I think you're the first reoccurring guest on the podcast, which is nice. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we That's know your awesome. story. But uh, so history. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and then recording it and putting it into the interwebs. I think right off the bat. Maybe we'll we'll figure out uh, what made you want to do this film to begin with, or how did this how did this thing come about? Even though I sort of kind of know. Well, um, it was uh, I filmed you down in San Diego talking about what you do, and then I was up in San Francisco talking with some friends about Mike Giant, and then it turned out that you guys knew each other, right? And uh, so then, at the time, Giant had a uh, a shop on uh, Lower Hate, and uh, I was able to just bust into the shop with my camera, 
uh, not even knowing him, and then start filming. And he was he was really cool. He was really helpful and supportive. And so we we started working this project like a year and a half ago, two years, something like that. Something and like that. So Mike, I know you you've worked on a lot of film projects over the last ten years, right? <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't say a lot. I've, I've worked on some. At this point, you're pretty comfortable with the with the camera and doing those sorts of things. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I would say Mike is exactly who he is in real life on camera. I would say yeah. I noticed that. There's no uh, consciousness of I'm being filmed. I need to do anything. Yeah. Would you agree, Mike? Yeah, and I, and that's definitely come from having to be in social situations like that uh, with cameras around and people asking lots of questions. And you know, so yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, it's worked out well. <laughs> I've gotten used to it. I don't do it all that often, though, and it's certainly not something I seek out at all. Right. You know? But if it gets dropped in my lap like you walking in the door of the, the studio, yeah, shit, I'll talk to you, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I think there's a level of being comfortable with oneself that if you don't really have anything to be worried about, it's, yeah. it's not that big a deal to talk on camera. Because a lot of people freak out and want to turn into... Uh, like the Superman, like the person they they wish that they were, you know, when they know they're being recorded, that can happen. Do you find that like yeah. trying to talk with people? I do, I do. I think with you, Mike, you were a bit more reserved when you got on camera. I think you yeah. tried to kind of uh, think about what you were saying a little more and present yourself, uh, present your ideas in a little more polished way. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it's because I'm so goddamn reserved. But the thing is, is what's interesting is that doing all this film work was sort of the catalyst for getting into the podcast. And it was partly, you know, working with Mike on this thing, like seeing that level of openness and being comfortable with being honest about yourself that gave me a little extra courage to be like, well, fuck it. I, I'm not ashamed of the things that I do. I, I shouldn't have any reason to sort of like try to self-censor myself. And it was in that process of over that year and then leading into doing this thing, this podcast, where I'm like sharing stories about everyday bullshit that gave me an opportunity to be like, oh, fuck that monkey on my back, you know, and let it go. <laughs> and I, I think I owe a lot to Mike for that, too, as well as a, a number of, of learning processes along the way, too. Yeah, you mentioned cool. that. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned that to me. Every project makes us grow. So is has document... Uh, Documentary has been your thing throughout your filmmaking process? or I've been documenting creative people and their processes for probably about five years. Steady. It started with architects, designers, furniture makers, musicians. And, it, it, and then it went to you guys as artists. So, yeah, I just love documenting creative people and f figuring out why they do what they do. What's what's usually the answer? Have you found? Have you got an answer, or is it different every time? Uh, generally, people are born with the idea that they want to create something, and if they have enough of a work ethic behind that, then they end up dedicating their whole life to that. Right. That's the only thing they want to do. That's the only, and they want to make make it into a job, and they they want to. And as long as you have a work ethic, you can kind of make that happen. Yeah. Is it? I know. I I assume Mike, you would agree that as artists, we're sort of self-historians. That way, consciously in my work, to be very personal, but you know, in a in a hidden symbolic language. So, you just got back from uh, Vegas, right? 
Yeah, I was in Vegas for the Magic Trade Show again. I actually hadn't gone in years. It was good for me to go see what was going on. What was going on? Uh, same old shit, really. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, uh, some cool new stuff. A lot of classic old stuff. Um, a lot of new brands. A lot of, of brands there that I wouldn't have expected to see there. You know, there's some, like, biters, for sure. It was driving me nuts. Yeah. But, um, we're doing great. I really like the position that Rebel 8 is at within that marketplace, you know? I think we're really kind of, I think core is a kind of corny word to use, but, you know, we've maintained our little core of people, and it's uh, slowly but surely growing and keeping us alive. Yeah, you know? that's great. I, I didn't awesome. realize that ASR wasn't showing in San Diego anymore. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's all kinds of changes with the trade shows and things. I guess ASR moved up to Huntington, maybe, something like that. Yeah. And I think Agenda has taken a lot of the skateboarding companies, too, and they're showing there, Yeah. which I did recently as well, which was great. It was cool to see that. Uh, um, that's some industry shit, but I really like what Agenda's doing, you know? It's kind of uh, cross-pollinating some different stuff. Making streak broad in scope, I think, which is good. Does it seem like there's um, any sort of resurgence of, of young entrepreneurs coming up in, in the industry? I know it's an industry that sort of always has its uh, people who show up and burn out and fall off real fast, but do you feel like there's uh, any new movements that's happening? Did you notice anything while you're out and about? Like any new sort of ideas that are happening that seem to be catching, catching hold? of worthwhile Um, (laughs) no it still seems like it's all the same stuff for the most part you know what i mean i'm seeing less um small brands kind of starting to try to do it because of the economy is so bad if you're going to do it at all you've got to kind of have your shit together and a bunch of money right to even show at a convention you know they're fucking expensive um so it's one of those things uh And again, because of the recession, a brand's uh, lifespan can be even shorter than it was 10 years ago. Sure. You know? Um, So, I don't know. But nothing groundbreaking. Right. (laughs) It's still printed t-shirts, you know, new era hats, (laughs) you know, jeans and vans. Right. (laughs) I guess that'll never change. Well, back to the film, we have a... you're coming to us live from San Francisco. We uh, yeah. there's a sort of metaphor in the film of using the tale of two cities. Do you want to sort of talk about Jeff? Talk about what uh, sort of ideas and concepts came about with that idea? Uh, yeah, sure. So I grew up uh, in San Jose, about 40 minutes south of San Francisco, and then I moved to San Diego about 10 years ago. So these are the two cities I've kind of known pretty well throughout my life. And you guys were in each one of them. And just having a background in architecture, I always use the city to tell the story of the person. I figured I just wanted to walk around, film a bunch of stuff in the public areas, and then use it in the story to kind of help shape who you were without having to say it so literally. So then from there, it became a little bit about history. I learned from you and started to get into history from you. Then I read the book and saw that 
Charles Dickens was writing about the economy, politics, religion, war, all the same issues that we're dealing with today, a hundred years later. So that became a concept is that maybe artists are always doing the same stuff throughout time because it's always about the hum- human humanity and human struggles. Well, I definitely, after, after getting the screening, I definitely saw the use of San Francisco and San Diego as a character within the film. Like, it's almost like four, four personalities. I don't know. Would you agree with that, Mike? It's certainly part of my story. San Francisco's, God, you know, I love it here. I absolutely love it. I feel like it's totally part of my identity. So, and you spent most of your life in San Francisco as well, right? Is it? You spent a good yeah, chunk have, of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I spent yeah. a majority I'm, of my life. I bounced around. Plus, you guys uh, worked in such different areas. Maxwell's down by the beach in beautiful, sunny La Jolla. And then Mike yeah. Giant was on Lower Hate, which is urban. It's gritty. He's on foot. And it just kind of, it was a natural counterbalance. Yeah, I had Pete Mobile. You had Pete. You had uh, the, the ocean. <laughs> and then your place up here in El Cajon was just another place, like mountains and vistas and rocks. Yeah, that was some of my favorite footage. It's so funny, like, the shots out there in the canyon, I really, I was not in the mood to film at all. Like, you can't, you came to the house, and I, I was, like, working I on something. That. I had a bad attitude <laughs> that day. I was like, let's just, let's just fucking film here. I remember that. I remember that. That was at the end. It was like, this film's over. <laughs> it was rough. Ed- editing, though. Shots, though. It was the best shots in the, in the entire film. It was my favorite part. The magic of editing yeah, made it look good. <laughs> Once we got out there, too, it's hard to have a bad attitude when you're in that environment. Yeah, it's pretty sweet, huh? So what else is up with you, Mike? You uh, painting on the streets? No, not really. Uh, uh, chilling on it. Just uh, collecting my super pile of spray paint currently. But I uh, haven't uh, used it just yet. Just drawing Rebel 8 stuff, man. Pretty much constantly. Nice. And uh, riding my bikes around. Uh, the premiere is coming up September 8th in San Diego at Babo Park at the Museum of Photographic Arts. Yep. Um, you got any info on that that we could pass along? Uh, if you like art, music, uh, it's going to be a place for you. <laughs> Uh, it's live music from the silent comedy. And they're gonna op- do a little opening set, right? Yeah, they're gonna play for an hour. There's uh, t-shirts and posters gonna be there, and then an open a bar. And uh, Mike, you're gonna come down for the opening, right? Yeah. Hey, Mike. Th- thanks for coming down. That was a total surprise. I'm really looking forward to see- yeah. seeing you here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be fun. You know. I'm psyched, and uh, man, the flights down there were so cheap. Are you <laughs> serious? Why not? Yeah, so cheap. Cool, man. I, yeah, I, it was like ten dollars. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here! That's hilarious. <laughs> sounds sounds like a Bart fair. A little more, a little more. I went and got me and Crystal went and got tattooed by Ben Grillo. Um, Ooh. Last this this weekend, we got matching our ten year anniversary matching tattoos. Here, let me see. I'll sh- uh, no one on, no one on the radio can hear. But can ooh, you see that? Yeah, that's good. I like that. Old school uh, flash I style. See if the internet does not. Yeah, the nice. internet. The internet can go to Facebook and find that shit if they want to. 
That's you, right. I heard uh, you may be getting tattooed as well. Man, I sure want him to tattoo my head. Yeah, we gotta figure out if we can make it happen. Hey, Mike, did you did you like the music? Yeah, the music was cool. I wasn't tripping on the music at all. I didn't find myself going, ooh, what the fuck? You know, but yeah, no, everything was great. You seem like an old school hip hop guy. So uh, well, I'm I'm just old school. <laughs> you know, it's funny it's funny like that, you know? It's like yeah, I was there for hip hop, but I was there for metal and fucking punk rock too and Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, hip hop always just rocked, dude, for sure. Yeah. I got stopped on the street during uh Comic Con this year. I was walking down the street after like after a full day and just was beat and I think I was wearing a tank top and somebody saw one of my tattoos and stopped me and was like, Hey, come over here and it was this big tall kid and this other dude and I was I was actually looking for a place right over by the stadium downtown to smoke a joint at. Like I was like I, I was about to get picked up. I was trying to find a place to get high. So I all of a sudden these dudes start talking to me. Turns out it's your boy from um, the game company that did the dice. Oh shit, that's hilarious. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, they like check me right. They're like, are those uh, are those really my giant tattoos? Like. They they spotted them from a distance, but uh, yeah. they assumed that maybe like I had graphics and took them somewhere else to get to get worked on. Yeah. And as soon as like I pulled my sleeve up to show them, like all of a sudden, like I gained two new best friends. All of a sudden, they their hotel was right yeah. on that corner. Went upstairs, that's burned hilarious. like burned like uh. four bowls, and then uh, <laughs> and then they're getting picked up. Hooking up, cool. Yeah, it was awesome. So now we're you know linked up on the internet and shit. Just just random corner, like knowing that uh, I need to get high. Just knowing the right tattoos. Stoners. Yeah, is that great or what? Stoner radar. But yeah, first, I had to, I got precious. the I got the third degree first though to make sure like I was legit. <laughs> they spotted them, huh? Yeah, from uh, a distance. Well, yeah, yeah, you know. Gotta understand the symbolic language, the secret handshake. Yeah, I figured it out. And I guess dude had just, uh, his name's Justin, right, I think? He, yeah. he, just, he uh-huh. just got his leg done, I guess, that yeah. just that week or something. Sometime close to there. Yeah, yeah, just before. How's, uh, you've been tattooing a little bit on your on your boys a little more than, you've been putting in a little extra work, huh, it seems like? It's... Uh, no, I'm putting in the same work. I just publish photos once in a while. Getting more bloggy with them. Like, all about it again. Yeah, just like tweaking. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, I could be putting pictures of Tana twice a week, but I, I ain't trying to, like, make new clients. I mostly post that shit just so motherfuckers recognize the real. You know what I'm saying? How's the tenderloin? <laughs> Gritty, grimy, nasty, gnarly. Grimy it's hot right always. now. It's cold as shit this morning. It's so weird. But, yeah, it's it's cool. I don't mind it. I think I'm going to move away pretty soon, though. But I might keep, like, my office here. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, you got a good setup. It's cool. But I could just get, like, a, a house of my own out by the beach. You know? For the same money. And I fucking love Ocean Beach out Ocean there. Ocean Beach is awesome. We love beach that, is huh? dope, right? Get, get away yeah, from everything. Get some dogs and, you know, live like you're doing, dude. You know, yeah. Yeah, that was inspiring. Going cruising around out, like hiking and shit in those hills. That was that was super fresh. Yeah, that was the last time you came down. Uh, the beginning of yeah. summer, we um we did a walk through the Crest Hills out here. Uh, okay. We we filmed we out there too. Scorpions, spray cans. 
All that good stuff. SoCal life. That's, <laughs> I've I've partied in those hills for twenty plus years. <laughs> yeah. No, not that I've many. I got spots but. like that in Albuquerque. <laughs> not yeah. here. Have you been back home lately? Uh, yeah, I was back. Fuck, when was that? A few months ago, I guess. Yeah. For just a few days. It was cool to see your folks in the film. Yeah, I just saw that. I was a little worried about that. That was that was awesome. What uh, What'd you think of them, Mike? Uh, I think they 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 just were themselves. I don't know. What <laughs> What can you say? You know, I mean, I love them. They're fine. They didn't say anything like incriminating or super derogatory. <laughs> no, they're very cool. Oh, cool. They were yeah, ve- they're cool. They that's were very that's cool. my impression of them. They you were know? yeah, they were very cool. They were down to earth. They were just straight with me. They were straight yeah. on camera, uh, yeah. and you know they just who, were who they were. I really enjoyed meeting them. I was didn't you know yeah. I didn't know exactly what to expect, but they were. Just, it seems like you got a good foundation. Yeah, I think so. I think I did real good. And your sister sure. and your sister loves you. She just couldn't. Oh yeah, she's she's cut. my biggest fan, man. Yeah, <laughs> she was. Yeah, for sure. She, she was cool it to was film. Cool that you uh, you filmed them too in that irrigation ditch. Um, that I, I grew up skateboarding in that and I still dream about it quite literally. <laughs> that was, you know? that was their idea. Yeah. They, they know my spots. That's where <laughs> I first did graffiti too. The first pieces I did were along those irrigation canals. Your mom was telling me about that. She pointed out some, uh, painted over graffiti and said you had once hit that spot. Yeah. I hit that spot when it was virgin and <laughs> you know, all that shit. Yeah. yeah way back. That was that was good to that was good to see that. I like how your mom says that she never did anything bad enough to get arrested. Yeah, she did. You know, she was uh, she did what she could. I think you know what I mean. As right. a kind of a a big single dude, I can throw my weight around a little more. You know, <laughs> <laughs> one of those things. Very very cool people. Did they have a chance to see the trailer yet? Yeah, I think they've seen the trailer. Okay. I think I. Saw I'm a, yeah, I think they saw it. All I'll right. double check. We'll get we'll get them a copy when it's all done. Yeah, for sure. They're gonna love it. From what I saw already, they're gonna they're gonna be so psyched. I love you know, it. It's gonna make my mom cry. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I love when your mom calls you the giant. I thought that was just yeah. a great soundbite. Right. <laughs> it, it's funny though, because she because she knows the difference, just like I know that there's Mike and then there's Mike Giant. You know, and she knows little Mike. She knows the real me. Right. And so that she also can see how this other identity is this created thing. Hmm. Like, what's the giant up to? You know. <laughs> what's the giant? What's the giant doing? Yeah, totally. She. I mean, it's basically when she reads my blog because I do my blog to kind of more of a general audience. You know, so and it's also very much that Mike giant side of me. You know, right? So she can see like how I'm presenting myself professionally, so to speak. But she knows the real deal. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. they were very cool. Your dad had your shirt on, and he's got his barber shop. You know, the barber shop was like something you don't see every day in someone's house. No, working class man. <laughs> he said Shut it. He, he, yeah, I mean, he would t- uh, cut guys' hair that couldn't come to the barber shop, and he would always just ask them to bring beer. You know, that's right. Just, uh, Told me working that. for low cash, 
you know? And he always had cash in his pocket as a barber, too, which I appreciated once I was a tattooer. Right. That's awesome to just have cash in your pocket all the time. (laughs) No, very, very, very cool guy. Yeah, I give him big props. Yeah, the the full-time painter having cash in pocket all the time is tough. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. It's a challenge. It's impossible. (laughs) No way. Yeah, you're right. Well, having, actually, I got some cash right now. Having, I got cash. having less cash is the way to go. Yeah, right. if you usually don't... galleries write checks. Then you got to pay tax. Usually. <laughs> What'd you say, Mike? Then you don't have to pay federal income tax. Live below the yeah. poverty line. Yeah, I learned that from a dude in New Mexico that's been doing it as a political uh, agenda for decades. Nice. Smart. Well, whenever I uh, get stressed out by paying all the bills and everything, I always think back to that scene and just say, less cash is the way to go. Less less responsibilities. It can come down to keys. You know, everything, every key that you have is something that you own, that you worry about, that you have to lock up. You know what I mean? Right. The less keys you have means the less shit you have. Right, right, right. That's a real quick one as far, like my meditation teachers will bring that up sometimes like, all right, leave all your keys, your phone, your watch, all your shit in your room and just leave it there the whole time you're on retreat. And then they're like, see, now you got nothing. Doesn't this feel great? (laughs) We have, I just, I've been listening to the audio Dharma and a a lady was talking about, um, her name's Andrea. I don't know what her last name is. She was talking about our addiction to want and the, the, our need to want things. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, she said something that seemed so clear, so obvious, but said it in such a way that became much clearer to me that we're more addicted to not wanting the want anymore. So it's really that craving, that want <laughs> that we have, that when we get the thing, it's not actually the thing that we have. It's the release of wanting that thing. But eventually, if you're just getting objects, that that glorification of that object fades and that, that shine fades away and you want something else. And what what the reality is, is that you just want to get rid of the want. So you have this to, desire and you want to, this thirst and you want to, you want to quench it. Well, actually, you don't. You just want to be done with the feeling of wanting. Oh, like wanting's a burden? Yeah, and that's what... And you're that, trying to release yourself from that burden? I think, would you agree that that's sort of that idea of having less cash, like having less objects, is sort of that release of wanting things? Yeah, I would say so for sure. You know, I deal with that day to day now that you, you're talking about it. It's like, at some point in the day, I'll think, man, I should go buy something. What do I really want? You know, I could go get anything. Or even, like, food choices, like... <laughs> Fuck man, I got cash. I'm gonna go anywhere. Where do I want to go? And I'm like, ah, I think I'm just gonna go get a burrito, you know. And it's like I'm trying to think of stuff, but but it can be like refreshing when you go. Actually, I don't want anything. You know, I recognize that my mind is wanting and it's thinking about like go get something. You know, like like let's let's fill fill up with goodness. You know, and then I just go, ah, nah, I'm just gonna draw. I'll smoke some more weed. You know, I'm just going to fuck all that, you know? Mm. But that's taken me a while for that to be, like, the automatic response, (laughs) you know? And even then, it doesn't even get that automatic, right? It's just a continual practice, like, you just ebb and flow. 
it's just it's now it's something that I just notice that comes up in my thinking mind every day that yeah. at a certain point it's one of those things as I listen to my thoughts every day over years you know you start to notice the things that come up every day and there is that wanting mind at some point usually in the early afternoon for me <laughs> yeah like <laughs> three o'clock like, I want something more that wasn't exciting enough or something you know yeah it, the, the way that she explained that idea of want as opposed to like letting go of the wanting was it was something so mm. like i had to stop and like go over it in my head like wow that's that's me i do that thing is and it, just knowing it allows you to make take a different choice, different path. Would you say it's human nature, Mike, or would you say it's just living in a commercialized consumer society? It's human nature right now. It might not be human nature tomorrow. It may not have been human nature 100 years ago, but it is now. What if you're out in a cabin for a few weeks? Would you still think you would have that desire? Well, it depends on the brain. What choices you make, maybe. I'm sure. Would you it, just... it does it does chill out i can attest to that personally if if you're on retreat for a week uh, um yeah your desires really go down the amount of food you consume goes down the amount of sleep you need it gets less and less mm. get way more shit for sure um mm. by the end of retreat you're just like i don't need a goddamn thing i'm just <laughs> glad to be breathing still thank you jesus you know <laughs> that's gotta be a great feeling Oh, that's just it. It's awesome. So then you, when I come back in, into real life, it's like all of this shit is bonus. This is all extra on the cake. And I feel like in my life, I have so much fucking icing on that cake. I have it so good, you know? That's, so that's it's nice to, to retreat once in a while from everything, including your own life and your own ego. And then come back, and see, you know, what you really have. And you really, know, just like in the movie, talking about going to a third world country. In, Retreat. Right. That's glitching out a little bit again. Is it? You still there, Mike? Awesome. Yes, hi. Hi. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. It just, it's doing a little internet glitch out. Yeah, sure. I'm getting the free signal from the fucking uh, Civic Center buildings. (laughs) Nice. That's right. What can I tell you? I I didn't have time to go to the Rebel Airport house. (laughs) No, no worries. It's fine. Um, But that's the thing. It's like, um, we're supposed to be living that lifestyle of the less less cares and less wants and less needs like we we still have that i think is human nature but as we've evolved technologically where that human nature i think has changed mm. whereas like we we're supposed to we're we're still sort of set up to go outside run around get some food exert some energy relax sit in the shade under a tree Enjoy the sun, go inside and sleep when it gets dark and get up again in the morning and do it again. Like, we're not supposed to worry about bills. We're not supposed to be sitting <laughs> under iridescent lights and oh, fake bills. bullshit and, you know, air conditioning and weird walls and all that shit. We're not, we're, we're evolving into that, obviously, but we're... Yeah, we're turning into production, production mobiles. It's with all that that comes those stresses where all of a sudden you're a fucking monster. You see all these craziness in society. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's become some kind of a kind of a, a stressor. Is email used to be so cool. I'd talk to my friends, catch up, see what's going on. Now email is all about what are we doing? I need this. I need that. And when I'm away from my email, it's just I feel so refreshed. 
It's, do you feel the same way, Mike? You're online a lot. I know. I'm or, never, do you, or do you like it? Do you like being online and communicating and giving people what they want and well, I think asking you things? To a certain extent, my work choice has basically required me to spend a lot of time alone. Mm. Now, having all the social media and like opportunities to connect with people, like we're talking to Mike and he's a thousand miles away or whatever, mm. uh, fulfills some of those needs that I still have for community, mm. but at the same time allows me to still do my work. Now, those the the issue there is what are my needs for community about? Like, you know, is there some attachment that I have to, you know, needing to have people around me? I think to a certain extent we do. We're a group mentality type of herd, like right. people. We sort of need people around. And, like, I've talked about, like I told you, like it'd be funny to do a documentary since I've done fine art for over 10 years that I haven't had another job in that amount of time that it would be funny to go and just try to get a job without, like, I'll just put 10 years of making shit as, like, the resume, you know? <laughs> like, there is no resume, like, just trying to go get a job. But part of that would be, like, I would go hang out in a warehouse and throw some boxes around just as, like, a menial, like, a, like as a task. Because sometimes there becomes too much freedom in being totally in control of all your time. Sometimes it's like that idle hands get into trouble sometimes. But, like... Yeah. At the same time, sometimes it's like having that much choice can create, like what we were talking about, it can create almost like a suffering, like, oh, what am I going to go buy today? Yeah. What am I, what, what I going to choose the, to do today? The dilemma of too many options. Yeah, some, it doesn't seem like that would be a problem, but sometimes it no, is. No, it is. It's a burden having to decide every little thing you eat and the variety of it. And Which seems like a plain problem to have, but... yeah. I guess it's better than uh, worrying about like you know, the master, the lord, the landowner coming out and making you uh, clean out the barn. Work at the the company store. Yeah, screw that. Cool. Well, let's um, let's let's promote uh, where people can go see the film. Up the the preview is up on Vimeo. There's a a trailer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, September eighth. Uh, September eighth. Yeah. September 8th at MOPA, uh, Museum of Photographic Arts, Balboa Park. Live music, t-shirts, posters, and booze. And what's your website? And, and, what's the, the film's uh, website? You can go to breadtruckfilms.com. You can see the trailer there. You can see uh, more about uh, the, the making of it there. And uh, the, both mics will be in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, brother. Well, thank you again for taking the time to shoot the shit with us. Jeff, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I'll see you next week, Mike. Let me know if you need anything. Oh, All right, brother. Let's internet dap. I can't see you, but I'm just assuming you did it. Bam. I I did that too, but my fist wasn't as big on screen at all. (laughs) All right, brother. Thanks again. Peace. Later. Later, Mike. Zoom into the of an aggravated breed via the study of post adolescent agitated seeds. Half the patients waste themselves prior to commencement, so I focus on the urban oxygen samples for half that made it breed. This old Pompeii impression sways infection in 12 steps or less, increasing swiftly, tipping toe and hard to swallow barter concepts. To give it, get it, never let itself pass for an stubbornness. Martyrs talk money causes in a harvesting Spartacus and so on. I throw long Hail Mary bombs toward cookie cutter Mother Nature's bedazzled synthetic fabric. Treats the peasants like they tried to fuck his woman while he slept inside. Well, they're merely chasing perfection.
strikes nine. I'll be waking with the best of the routine caffeine team players, but a cycle of it. Under a dusted angel hop string, big brother is watching my odometer like buzzard to fall out, talking stealth. We got babies, rubber stamps, and briefcase parts. You want some door to door now, order $10 or more. We'll shove it down your throat for free. I'll sacrifice my inborn tendencies for copper pennies from one command to give me that so we can retain baby Mega back. Fighter, snake venom, all across the freak, heckle, shiesty brain, headroom, shake planet. Make a move, pause, make a move, break cannon. Bend barrel one, eight, zero, you turn, squeeze, end it. It's on like it's never been. It's bleeding well, bigger than a bread box. It corrodes my leaky finance. I'll take my seat atop the Brooklyn Bridge with a Coke and a bag of chips to watch a thousand lemmings plummet just because the first one slipped. Sometimes I laugh at victory, kissing these little questions. I tend to underestimate my average. Someday you'll all eat out of my cold hand, cause every dog has its day at which point I'll pull it away. Now we, the American working population, hate the fact that eight hours a day is wasted on chasing I built.